This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. I'm Ricky Mass from MLB.com, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And Greg... Well, six feet apart. We'll say what? We're not alongside. Six feet apart. Six. We, are, we literally are six feet apart. Listen, we are recording this show. We're more than... No, this is about six feet. Hang on. Let me... All right, now we're about six and a half. Well, now I'm too far away from my computer. All right, I got to come back to six. We are, in fact, like staying apart. We didn't shake hands or anything like we normally would today. We're keeping, we are practicing social distancing. Um, Boy, this is just a a strange time. Listen, we're not going to be all doom and gloom here. I know that much. That's not what we do here. But we are going to discuss just kind of what's, what's going on and, you know, Greg, usually this is our, what are we, in the mid-50s now, number of episodes, 53, 54, somewhere in there. You do a much better job of keeping up with the number of episodes than I do. I, every now and then I go and check, and I'll count it up, and then I don't write it down anywhere, and then I forget. So, <laughs> um, But we've, we've recorded over 50 episodes of this show now since we launched in 2018, and every show up until now, I've always had like a list of notes and questions and things I want to get into, even in the Bubba and Harry editions like this one is, where it's just you and I. I always have a, a list of things, possible topics. Sometimes I use all of them. Sometimes I don't even hardly use any of them just because the conversation naturally goes another way, which is great. Uh, this is the first time since we've been doing this show that I didn't write down anything because I just felt like we, if we were going to do this, we just kind of needed to turn on the mics and just chat about everything for a while and just get it all out there. I think this is... Um, well, I'll tell you, after, after our season ended last year, after the, the, the game five that was not a pleasant, uh, not a pleasant ending to the, the season, uh, that was the only other time where I, I still had notes for that one, though, but that was the time where I was like, well, let's just turn on the mics and let's just talk this out. And I think we recorded it the next day just to 
we just need to address it and move on from it. And I kind of feel a little bit like that with, with this whole situation with the coronavirus and the outbreak. Um, it's uh, I'm not doom and gloom here, but it, I will say the sports fan in me, the last couple of days, we're recording this on Friday. And if you're a diehard behind the Braves listener and you've been with us the whole time, you know my affinity for the baseball is number one, but also my affinity for college basketball. This whole thing really started hitting me, at least the sports fan in me, yesterday on what would have been the first full day of the NCAA tournament. I mean, it was literally the second I woke up mm. and I was just extra bummed because I'm like, man, today at noon, that should be me sitting in front of the TV, just prepare for 12 hours straight or 12 plus hours of just college basketball and it ain't happening. Mm. And then the other thing that kind of has me down a little bit is I do live in the battery and um, not that I've been going out and about. I mean, I'm I'm staying in just like ever, like we're supposed to and getting just going out for groceries and pharmacy and that's that's really been it uh for the last week but being out like when i have gone outside to go to my car or whatever and the, the once or twice i've actually gone outside into the battery for a minute or by the ballpark there's just nobody there's just literally nobody out and about and the weather has turned so nice and the grounds crew like the the grass you know that we had the big air the visa big air event here back in december which was really cool uh, but, of course, the the grounds crew and all the great work that they do, they had to go and redo the grass and everything in the outfield and replant it. And I did catch a glimpse of it. And it's just green and perfect. And the field just looks so perfect. And the sun is shining. And it's over 70 degrees. And I'm like, man, we should be getting ready for baseball a week from now. And that kind of hit me. That struck me a little deep. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We're, this is this whole thing goes much, much more beyond the, the world of sports and baseball. I'm not I'm – not, I'm not comparing the two, but the sports fan in me is uh, is a little bummed. Um, I will say this to put it on a positive side, and then we can get your thoughts on it. The opening day is always just one of those special days of the year, and it's just so exciting. And it just from the opposite side of things, I wake up on opening day, and just that feeling I have of being so excited is just it's kind of unlike anything else. Whenever we do have opening day next, uh, at some point this year, I hope. I think it's going to be extra special this time around. I think the feeling in the ballparks everywhere across the United States and in Toronto um, are going to be extra special this year with that home opener for each team because it's uh, a well it will have mean that we've not defeated but kind of gotten past this 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 dire situation that we're in now uh, and that we waited extra long for our game to come back and I just I'm kind of looking forward to that day especially even more than I ever have before that opening day so. Like I said, I just wanted to turn the mics and just just talk for a few minutes. So, what, are, what where are you at with all this right now? Well, I I agree. I I've had some just mixed emotions. Obviously, being at home, I can't watch another news conference. I mean, <laughs> I, hear I mean, you. I'm, I'm there every day. You could be watching the news all day long, and that's dangerous because there's a lot of stuff happening and so can you know there's you can get very fearful and so i've tried to distract myself do some reading obviously we're doing we're still working and uh we've got some things to do working uh, from, from home yeah way. working from home <laughs> from organizational standpoint but uh you know i i am encouraged that uh we will have an opening day at some point because i always look forward to that but i, I kind of agree with you i think it's going to mean it's going to be special this year because I think there's kind of a reset. Sometimes you can take for granted 
opening days. You can take for granted the sport that we love. You can take for granted a lot of things. And I think there's a little bit of a reset that happens. But um, so I, I know that that will all be a positive thing. I'm just uh, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get through this sooner than later. Um, I have a lot of faith and, and uh, you know, our country is a people that we will do the right thing and and uh, we'll come out of the other side of that i'm excited about uh, just what's going on and and just the seriousness of it but i'm excited about how we've responded mm-hmm. and i just hope that it doesn't get too painful and, i mean i know that there's uh, there's a lot of serious things going on with people certain parts of the population that can't work because they depend on people going out and all that kind of stuff but uh there there is a time it it, it takes me back to when we were going through the strike in 1994 and a lot of us were young you know just new in the game and we had to get jobs but there were a lot of people like our the workers here at the stadium you know at that time we were at fulton county stadium there were people who were ushers and worked in concessions and all that 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 couldn't that couldn't work so it reminds me a little bit about that as far as our industry goes now we weren't there was no you know um medical outbreak you know there was no virus to go that was threatening the public in large but the sport as a whole was was uh was struggling and so there was a lot of things that we had to do a lot of the uncertainty so you know dealing with some of those emotions that we had back then of that oh my gosh you know i don't have a job how am i going to support my family what you know when will we ever play is this going to go on for years because you know we went on strike in in uh, september and then here we are now it's march we're supposed to be in spring training and you're supposed to have this you know anticipation of a new season and and this is something that i love what i do and i'm having to go out and find a job and so i started teaching a little bit and uh, helping some the kids who were playing baseball trying to help them and share some of my my knowledge and so i was doing some instruction at a local training facility but some of those same emotions that i have today you know, being at home trying to create a new routine and um, trying to do work and balance family life is different when you're when you're inside all day long trying to go out for a bike ride or do some things like that so some of those same emotions and then the uncertainty of of what's going on I kind of um, some of that's brought me back to a time where that happened I think the silver lining we talked about a little bit earlier silver lining is just that Back in 1995, we started the season late. We had a shortened season, and it turned out pretty good for the Bravos. So, sure did. Uh, so hopefully that means something for this year once we start. Um, hopefully we can follow that same track, and it, uh, it works out well for us. So let's go back to when you were, you were on strike. because, And again, like, like Greg just said, we're not comparing the, the strike to a, a – a global outbreak of a, of a virus. I mean, it's two different things, but in terms of how it affected baseball and particularly the players, there is some parallels to be drawn there. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, especially guys who maybe hadn't been in the bigs long or were trying to make the bigs and you had to get, get jobs. So that's the real life side of things. I guess there's the one comparison, one comparison we can draw between these, these two situations is the uncertainty of when baseball will come back. How do you, as a player, keep yourself prepared physically 
when you don't really know when the seat when you're going to start up again because that's seen i mean let's just look at the general concept of why we have spring training it's this certain set amount of time leading up to the season for players to get themselves in well back in the day i guess it was guys that's when guys just got in shape period nowadays i think it's we go more towards that we're getting in baseball shape like in theory most guys are showing up quote-unquote in shape to camp but now it's going from that to getting from that to baseball shape but either way how do you when you don't have know when exactly the season's going to start but you know it's going to start at some point that uncertainty like you don't have a set plan how do you mm-hmm. keep yourself physically ready for that mm-hmm. And then also, how do you not overdo it? I mean, I, I, that's got to be such well, a tough thing. Yeah, and the hard part about these guys were right in the middle of spring training. I mean, they were over the hump. Three weeks they had been in spring training, and now they have to they have to hit the reset button. I think the, the thing about what we went through is that we never got to spring training. You know, we were still kind of biding our time, not knowing. And you were trying to prepare, but you didn't want to over-prepare. So it wasn't like I was going out and – throwing you know simulated games in the bullpen we weren't at that point we knew we were going to have some time but we you know we were in constant communication with um, with the player association to kind of understand where we were in the process but honestly we still didn't know and I think that's part of the hardest thing it, it, it reminds me of a time where I went decided I was going to go on a hike on the Appalachian Trail with a couple of my buddies and um, and the story does have a point. So okay. so I'm I'm on the trail, and if you've ever been on the Appalachian Trail, there's really no markers. There's no like, okay, you go to Cades Cove, and and where I'm from, Tennessee, you go up to the mountains. This is a three mile hike, and they tell you point four left, point five, point six. You know, you can follow the signs, mm-hmm. and you know how close. So mentally. You can prepare like, okay, I just got to walk another mile instead of instead of not knowing, and it's just around the bend. Wait, I saw that tree before. Am I lost? No, no, no. I see the trail going. Well, it's just a little bit longer, a little bit longer. When you're on the Appalachian Trail, you don't do that because I think people who go on the Appalachian Trail, they just they're there for months, and they just follow the trail and they just hike, and they're not really caught up in how far are they going. And maybe they have GPS on their watch or whatever. But when we, when we went, we were just saying, we're just going to hike a little bit. And we're going to go from this point <clears throat> on the map to that point. But you never really knew <laughs> on that map how far you were. And it was psychologically, it was really tough. Because I just didn't know, I really didn't know where I was. Mm-hmm. And, and I just have bad memories of that. I, I need to know if I'm going on a four-mile hike, let me know when I've gone a half a mile and a mile and a mile and a half, and so I can kind of gauge my effort, and I can kind of mentally prepare. And I think that's in relate, relating that to where the players are now and what we went through with the strike is that you just don't know where you are. You don't know how much to do, how little to do, but then there's that fear of, okay, I've just went through three weeks of spring training I don't want to lose anything. How do I maintain it? But yet I can't go out and pitch. You know, I can't go out and play a game. So I'm going to lose a little, but I don't want to lose too much because I know at some point I'm going to have to crank it back up. But the mental grind of your body saying it's time to go and I'm ready to go, but yet you know you can't do it. That is a tough place to be as an athlete because it's all psychological. Mm -hmm. So I think – just like everybody not knowing if they're going to work tomorrow 
you know, or, or, or is this thing going to be over in two weeks? How do I prepare for two weeks? What well, may be three weeks? It may be one week. It may be four weeks. I don't know. So the psychological issue of the athlete is kind of like what the whole country is going through at this point. And so how do you prepare? And so it's just a real battle. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with what I'm, you know, kind of feeling now and what some of the players are going through and what we went through back then as athletes, that's probably the biggest battle. And, you know, you can do all the Stairmaster and, and, you know, Peloton and all that stuff, but getting out there and pitching against somebody, you just can't replicate that. And that's, and that's the hardest part about spring training being cut off right in the middle of it. So you're going to have to have a whole new spring training at some point. Okay, and let me and let me preface this by saying everything we're talking about here is just it's just our opinions and specu- probably just speculation on our part. But I just want to know from in your opinion, because we are going to have once the season gets started started back up again, we're going to have to have a second spring training. What that looks like, I don't know. Is that do we pack up and go back to Florida? Do we do we just does everybody just do it at their own ballparks? I mean, their own major league ball. I don't, I don't know. I literally don't know how that works, but. When we get to that point where we need a second spring training, let's assume at some point later this this year, how long, in your opinion, do we really need? What's the? I guess I'm trying to. Say, what I'm really getting at here is, what's the minimum amount of time that we can do have a second spring training? In in your in your mm-hmm. opinion, because our, our regular spring training is now what six or seven weeks. Yeah. Is it a? Is it safe? Uh, and, and physically for the players, particularly the pitchers, because that's the main people I'm talking about. I think we, I mean, I think spring training is, I mean, don't get me wrong, when you first show up to spring training, I know the pitchers are usually way ahead of the hitters at the beginning. But physically, I think it's, spring training is especially important for the pitchers because you guys need that, not so much relievers, but starters especially. But yeah. you guys need to build up that, or the starters need to build up that endurance and build up the innings and all that kind yeah. of stuff. What's the minimum amount of time? I mean, can you... Can we have a three-week spring training for part two, or does it need to be longer? Does it need to be the full five, six, seven weeks? Well, I don't think it has to be. I think the biggest thing is uh, can we get an expanded roster Mm -hmm. to where you can add more pitchers until, you know, maybe you you do some deadlines where for the first month of the season you give two or three extra pitchers and then it, it kind of, you know, then the roster cuts down as guys are able to go further. But the last thing you want to do is, is get your your players hurt. Right. And you can't account for adrenaline. You can't account for extending the game out to, you know, a pitcher throws 100 pitches. So a remedy would be just to add more pitchers to the roster. So now you're treating everybody like a reliever. And so the starters may only go three innings. You know, they, they let's say they build up to to three. You know, I think right now spring training had been four weeks or three weeks, and pitchers were at maybe at four innings. The starters were at four innings, three to four innings. So if you just take the three-week model and maybe you build them back up to four innings and then you add a couple pitchers in there to bridge the gap, and they go four and then after a month now they're back up at six or seven then that's all you need but you you got to do something you got to add some more pitchers to the roster and that's and i think that's a that's a pretty logical you know response to a shortened spring training i don't remember that happening with us back in 95 it could have there might have been a couple extra players or pitchers that you could put on the roster yeah how long do you remember how long was spring training in 95 it wasn't long it was only three or four three or four weeks so it's it's been done before yeah and 
Okay. We'll have to look that up and see. Yeah, if so they a- may have done that back then. I just I don't remember. Okay. I don't know if there's I guess I could have looked that up, but uh but I, I think that's a that's a logical response to a shortened spring training. That way you get the season underway as soon right. as possible. You you protect the players, you don't expect your you know, you don't tax your pitching staff too early. Um, so and you've in every organization's got plenty of pitchers, right. but then you know you have the whole minor leagues to deal with too. So maybe they carry extra players for the first month of the season until you know, and then that allows people. And I I feel bad for some of the younger players that were trying to make a team. Right. And you think about all the minor league players that were trying to make teams. So now they were they forfeited that opportunity to be able to to be able to prove themselves over that six-week period of spring training. So if you if you add some players to the roster throughout the minor leagues and at the big league level, you there you give those couple, two or three guys the opportunity to prove themselves again during the season before they, you know, before the organization has to make a, a final decision about who's on the final roster. I like what you just said there. I guess I hadn't thought too much about it in terms of what are some ways we can get back to get the season back quicker or fast forward through the the spring training part safely if we start under under kind of a model of starters are going to go three innings max probably to begin where we're basically starting the regular season <clears throat> it's almost like you're kind of starting the regular season uh in a normal course of a, of a of a year it's like you're starting spring like the, the regular season at like week three or something of spring training where it's the starters or, or whatever that week would be, uh, you know, whatever that timetable is for your starters to get up to three, four mm-hmm. innings. Uh, and that's interesting. And if you add, I don't know how many roster spots you need to add. I don't know if you go up to 30 or, or what it is. I'm just throwing that number yeah. out there. Um, well, I mean, let's face it. You could literally start in two weeks if you wanted to, and you just limit the every pitcher to one or two innings. Yeah. So you, you don't need to – you just add more pitchers to the roster. Now, Tampa Bay is down there saying, see, we already do that. We're ahead of the curve. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, the, the, then there's issues of service time, and you've right. got to pay more players. And, you know, there's, so there's other issues. And maybe maybe baseball needs more time to get their facilities ready and, and you know, get everything ready for the major league game. Because let's face it, now that I work in the front office, there's way more that goes on besides just getting the team ready to play a game. Right. I mean, you've got with, between sponsors and and ushers and scoreboard operators and and marketing departments and HR. I mean, you got a this is a big machine. So maybe you need maybe the organization needs that spring training time to get ready for an opening day because you've got things that have been put on hold and not knowing when they're going to be you you don't know how to deal with it so you you know so at some point you just said hey until further notice but maybe even the organizations need that time but let's face it you can run those guys out there to pitch one inning after two weeks right it is it, you know then you're like looking at a reliever it's not like they're you know they're they're not doing anything now obviously if this goes for a long time that would change you would need it you need it more for the hitters but but it's just a matter of how much you want to limit how much you want to limit their their um, 
their exposure when they go out there pitch because obviously you're exposed when you start kicking in your adrenaline and you're throwing a, a ball full speed against a live batter it's just a different scenario than throwing a bullpen so you you got to have some time for them to pitch and and so you need it you need a little bit of time like I said you can't just go from bullpens to pitching in a game because there's that adrenaline factor Mm -hmm. and that you just can't account for adrenaline so you have to experience a game you have to experience multiple games to get your body ready to to pitch so because once that that light turns green and you're faced to do something at full speed and and with adrenaline your muscles need to be prepared for that or you're going to pull and rip and 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 just it's not going to be a good situation especially you've got a lot of money invested in this team and these athletes across the board that you don't want to damage or ruin careers mm-hmm. so they're going to take every precaution and and be prepared for that opening day so if it's 3 weeks if the, you know if the the gurus think it's you know they're going to consult Doctors are going to consult the physiologists. They're going to consult the players' association. Everybody's going to have to be in agreement that you need to have this amount of time. You need to have these many extra players, and you need to limit so that we can kind of move into the season and keep everybody healthy. And that's obviously for the good of the game. Sure. This is a silly comparison, but it's the one that popped up <laughs> in my brain. As you were talking about that, I was I was thinking about uh, the old NASCAR movie, Days of Thunder. <laughs> and it's where Tom Cruise's character, Cole Trickle, he shows up. First time you see him in the movie, he shows up to Charlotte Motor Speedway. And Rowdy Burns, who later becomes his his big rival in the movie, if you haven't seen it, Rowdy's going to, it's been arranged for Rowdy to give Cole or Tom Cruise uh, a test in his car by himself out there on the track just to see how he can do in one of these big time stock cars. And he goes out there and runs like a record time. And uh, Rowdy, not being too impressed, once Tom Cruise's character comes in the pits and gets out of the car, Rowdy said, You run good. Now get your own car and let's see how you do out there in a crowd. And that was kind of what I was thinking of, like, yeah, he showed up and he ran a test lap, test laps out there by himself right. with nobody else out there, ran really fast, looked really great. But what are you going to – but that's not the same as being out there actually in an actual competition with everybody else out there with you that you're competing against. It's just two different things. Right. It's two different worlds. Well, and that's a great point. And we used to always joke about in the in the bullpen is the guy would warm up and you're like, man, he's – he could have beat the 27 Yankees today. And he goes out there in the game and he gets lit up. And like, well, what was the difference? Well, because you had adrenaline, you had a live batter in the box. Right. And it's just a different game. And so you don't know how you're going to respond physically until you get out there and do it. And that's a great point because that, that is very, very important. So you, it's not just one time. You need, you need to do it and then you need to recover from it. So you need to perform and see how your body responds and then let your body recover, do it again. And so I think that takes two or three times to do that. Mm-hmm. Three or four, you know, probably more than two or three, you know, so three or four times. I think it's important for a hitter, you know, if, if, if Ronald's out there leading off first base and all of a sudden he's in a dead sprint to try to steal a bag, you can't replicate that in practice. Right. Because – that adrenaline, that extra 10% that you get or 5% or whatever it is, your bodies are firing at 100%. You, you can't get that mm-hmm. unless you do it in a game. So you need some of that, and then you need to recover from that. 
and then once you recover and you do it again, then you're starting to break down some things that maybe have, have healed. You know, we call it, you know, there's scar tissue. There's scar tissue from years and years of some of these guys pitching, years and years. of Now, hopefully, they've already done that, but now all of a sudden they shut it completely down, and now you're building up scar tissue again, and, and your body's going to have to go through a whole nother cycle to get ready. And not that I'm a, I'm a you know, um, a guru in all the physiology of, of baseball, but just going through it, I realize that my body reacts to the activity and when I recover and I bounce back. And so you get in this rhythm. And then once you get out of the rhythm, your body's got to readjust to getting back into it again. Yeah, this is probably another dumb comparison, but I think back to years ago, the first time I went into a gym and uh, to lift weights, like I'd never done any of that before. I'm going back many years, uh, but I didn't know any better about lifting weights or whatever, but I got in there and I started lifting some stuff and doing different machines and all kinds of different stuff, and it felt good, and I was enjoying it, and it was great. At this point in my life, I was not very active, but I just decided I'm going to the gym today and I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to see what it's all about. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour in there lifting weights. Walked out of that gym, felt great. (laughs) And I was a much younger man then, too. I woke up that next morning, (laughs) and I'm telling you, Greg, I could barely move. I could barely walk. And that was my life lesson of uh, learning, like, that you have to ease into, like, physical activities Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, particularly resistance training. But anything where your body is facing like you're giving your body resistance or, or that sort of thing you can't just go into it cold turkey and again i know this is a this is kind of a, a dumb comparison but it's i think it's valid in that you can't no, just go zero to 100 major league baseball ricky working out same yeah, exact thing <laughs> many people have said I that see the, for a long i see time. the comparison same the thing parallel. oh yeah same thing <laughs> but the point is like you can't just go zero to 100 mm-hmm. one day you can't just yeah, exactly. there has to be you have to build up some things to, to get there all right now the switching gears a little bit i feel kind of guilty already thinking this far ahead and and but let's just say it gets that that's how we start a season again this is just us speculating but let's say it gets to that point where we start a season where a starting pitcher is only going two or three innings to begin with, and then you turn it over to another guy for an inning and a bunch of guys throw an inning. We're the Phillies. <laughs> well, that's not where I was going with it. That's certainly not where I was going with it. Oh, the Giants. It's going to be the Giants That'll now. Be the Giants Gabe. Now. Shout out yeah. to our, our boy Gabe out yeah. there. Um, Glad we won't have to see him. <laughs> uh, this is where I feel a little guilty because I'm already thinking, well, from a competitive standpoint, we're – if that's the scenario, we're we're looking pretty good there because we already had, I think, the deepest bullpen on paper. Yes. And then beyond that deep bullpen, major league bullpen, we got a heck of a lot of depth down there. You got a lot of these guys where um, a guy like Tukey comes to mind. Where where does he end up? And I don't. And listen, we were only three weeks in the spring training. Who knows? He could have made the, yeah. the big league team. But you got the Tukeys and Bryce Wilsons of the world that. Jacob Webb. Yes. So some of these guys maybe are in AAA, but you know that they've got the stuff to be big leaguers or could be and have contributed to the big league team before. Suddenly, if the roster expands and you've got a few of these guys that are now pitching an inning for you every day, I just, from a competitive standpoint, again, I I feel a little guilty just because the the weight of what we're dealing with in the world right now is so much more serious and goes so much beyond baseball. I think part of me is my way of coping with all this and dealing with the, the news and what we're dealing with as a society right now is I'm fast forwarding ahead in, in my head 
to the the actual baseball part where like I was talking about opening day earlier that's one thing that's keeping me kind of happy and pepped up every day as I'm thinking about well this stinks right now but man opening day is going to be that much better and then from a competitive standpoint looking how it's how how things could possibly be laid out we are as a team a competitive standpoint we are constructed very well to deal with however yeah. this shortened season is right. going to be is going yeah. to play out and i don't think anybody's we're not asking everybody to uh to forget about what's going on this is a very sobering sobering time in our in our nation's history this is a sobering time in the game of baseball and life we we'll just go turn on the tv just go watch uh fox news or cnn or or whatever news channel that you watch um, we don't have to be reminded of that. I think we're all living with the, with the ramifications of, of dealing with a deadly virus and, and things that are going on. But we can't think about that all day long. I right. mean, we, we would go crazy. We love baseball. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to call our friends. We're going to talk about things. There has to be some, uh, some lighthearted uh, part of our, our day. So, um, so, yeah, we love talking about baseball and and I, I want to think about the future. I want to think about um, what's what's going to happen opening day. I think about you know Cole Hamels. Hopefully he's he's all healed up. Right. He's ready to go. That that's somebody that we we were anticipating missing part of the season with, and now uh, he may be there. You know opening week, and so he should be good to go. And and hopefully he's doing well, and um, and and everything is you know good to go with him. But but certainly. We need to think about. We can always. We all want to speculate because this, this, there's just no way else to not, nothing yeah. else to do at this point. It feels good to talk baseball. Like baseball's <laughs> yeah, not happening, that's right. but that's kind of what we're doing here, and that's kind of what we're. And listen, obviously today this is our first episode of Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed since since the coronavirus really kind of heavily impacted our country and our game. Uh, so yes, we're talking about it this time around. I'm sure we'll reference it in the next next couple few episodes while we're still on this hiatus, however long that happens. But our intent from after this one is to kind of stick to more talking baseball, whether that's talking about things from the past, looking ahead to the future, uh, whatever that's going to be. We're going to be mainly talking baseball. All right, here's let's see. This is my third or fourth now random uh, comparison I'm, I'm going to draw in this episode. So if you've listened to every episode of Behind the Braves, I've also referenced before how much I love music and particularly how Metallica is my favorite band. Mm. So in 2003, I believe, was when this document, or 2004, they put out a documentary mm-hmm. uh, that really was originally supposed to be the, the original purpose of this documentary. It wasn't going to be a documentary. They hired these guys who were documentary filmmakers to just shoot some stuff of them making their new album at that time. And that's all it was going to be. It was just just a little bit of behind the scenes stuff well upon shooting in the midst of them trying to record this album james hetfield the lead singer leaves the band to go into rehab for alcoholism and other addictions and so then that then set off this whole chain of events of like the well the band might just be kind of breaking up here and they made the decision to leave the cameras rolling during all of this and all the way through james then coming back many months later and then finishing the album and all of that at some point in that documentary, kind of halfway through, maybe actually, I don't want to say it was in the first third of it. Um, Lars, the drummer, and one of the bands—I think one of the band's crew members—are just sitting there talking about one piece of music that they've already recorded for this new album. 
Uh, actually, you know, I think it was a DJ that was uh, that was he Lars was playing this new song for the DJ for the first time. And the DJ goes, man, this is going to sound great with 50,000 people in the arena. And Lars just goes, Ugh, can we just fast forward to that part now? <laughs> and so briefly in the documentary, they flash forward to the end of the movie where they show an entire stadium full of people jamming along to the song. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back to the present of them trying to get through this. And I guess I'm drawing the comparison there of, man, it's it almost makes you feel good to fast forward to when the good times will be back and there's going to be a stadium full of people and we're going to have baseball and there's going to be the walk-offs and the roar and all that whole thing. We just kind of got to th- go through the process of getting through what we're dealing with now. Eventually we will get there, uh, but I don't think it's the worst thing to fast forward to flash ahead to think about. No, uh, not at all. It, uh, it's it's going to just – just, uh, feeling that that like uh, the number I've been this will be my sixth season working in baseball. I've been a fan my whole life, but working in baseball this will be my sixth season. And one thing that never gets there's certain things that never get old, like the the roar of the crowd on a walk off, just that feeling in the stadium never gets old. Um, opening day never gets old. Certain things try to get a home a home run by your team and the the home ballpark never gets old Mm. that there's just a feeling and a sound in the stadium Mm. that never gets old i never get tired of hearing it or feeling it and it's just things you can't replicate you have to experience it and thinking about all that stuff and just kind of envisioning yourself already there in the future i think that's a good exercise well one thing we will miss is the crispness of opening day because it's usually the humidity still low there's a little chill in the air because it's you know the beginning of April, and um, you know, and then the nights are a little bit cooler. But now we're getting the green fog of allergy season, <laughs> right? So, I tell you what, I'm not going to miss the Christmas <laughs> because I'm. This is how I know I'm getting to be just an old fuddy duddy. Uh, is that I just don't want it to be cold outside ever. Like I understand why people all they all just move to Florida <laughs> or wherever <laughs> when they retire, or they just want it warm all the time. Uh, although I'm the opposite at night inside. I want yeah, the AC yeah, yeah, cranked yeah, yeah. up. I want it cold when I go to bed. But no, outside, but I that's want it hot. A part of, that's a part of opening day is that, I mean, there were opening days where it was 32 degrees. I remember in Chicago, my very first opening day was 32 degrees, and I watched Maddox throw a one-hit shutout, mm-hmm. and I was freezing my butt off out there on the bench. And um, so there's something about that just that goes hand in hand. Now, we don't obviously experience it that cold here in in the south, but there is still a crispness in the air. And um, I do miss that, just like going to spring training, you know, and and seeing um, there's certain things that happen during spring training that you are forever, you know, etched in my brain on what what spring training's like and and what opening day is like the flyovers i think about the yeah. jets that come by the big flag right, and we're outfield. right here by dobbins and right. uh, we get we're very fortunate to have a great relationship with the air force and and some of the things that they do so uh what, what hopefully that's still going to happen so we'll yeah. we'll still have an opening day and it'll be a lot of fun it'll just be a little bit t- different time of the year it's funny you bring up that uh, that game opening day 93 uh, with Maddox, it was his first game as a Brave, your first game in the big leagues at Wrigley. Um, so without giving too much away here, and then again, we're all just working on this. We're kind of kind of got this new normal that we're all working under. Like all my meetings now with the Braves marketing, social media folks, we're doing those all over the phone now. And we're trying to, we're doing a few of those a week. And that's how we're working together is we're doing the phone calls and then of course texting and emailing and all of that. 
Uh, but we're discussing, all right, so what are some things we can do on social media in, in the coming weeks and months to fill the void of not having a, a current baseball season or the baseball season being delayed? And um, so looking back at some old games and maybe figuring out some ways we could have some fun with those old games is something that's very much on the table and that we're working on. Um, and so I just – and looking back at some old games, I was just searching through, doing some search, watching some old video clips, and I actually watched uh, a few just snippets of that game yesterday. That oh, really? game from ninety, literally yesterday, and it was the. And I was bummed. I didn't get the. I couldn't find in my Did my. You database. see me sitting in a bullpen by myself. I, I was looking for. I was you. the only rookie on the team. I was looking for you. They made yeah. me sit out there by Would myself. Did you have the backpack and everything? Or did they do that back then with the backpack? They made the lo- the the. The lone rookie carry. No, okay, um, the there was bag. nothing to carry. And if there would have been some veterans out there, I would have had to brought out some oh, okay. chocolate and right. coffee. But since it was just me, I was just sitting out there freezing. Well, you know, I didn't watch the whole game, but now that I'm going to have to go back and watch a little bit more and see if I can uh, if I can find. Nobody you. wanted to swing the bat that day. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Did you sit out there the whole game? Uh, yeah. Did you? Okay. I had to. They told me I had to. It was okay. my first game, and, and, and everybody one? else is in the, inside <laughs> the heater, and I'm out there with a park on thinking, Lord, please don't let – I hope I don't have to pitch. I can't yeah. even move. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was really cool. I got some uh, – I didn't even find the – so I couldn't find the, the TBS version. I'm, I know it exists somewhere, but just in my database and stuff I was looking at, I didn't have access to the TBS version. But I did have the WGN version mm. with Harry Carey mm-hmm. on the call. And even watching that uh, was really cool. And watching the beginning with the introductions and all you guys are getting booed. Uh, I saw, I did see in the introductions, um, Jay Hal being introduced. A young, <laughs> dapper Jay Hal just yeah. looking in his, I mean, in, his client, in, yeah. in his in his prime and the hair just flowing and everything out the back <laughs> of the hat. Looked great. Our buddy Jay Hal, who we had on, if you haven't listened to the, the Fantasy Camp episode from oh, a couple yeah. months ago, go back and check that out. Jay was uh, was great on there, as he is in, in real life. Um, but I did see that, so I got a kick out of seeing young Jay Hal go out there for introductions. Mm. Uh, but to see, just to go back and watch one of those old games, it was kind of a pleasant um, experience to sit back and see. And by the way, how how was that? How did that? How about that? That Greg Maddox's first start as a Brave back in the day was not against only against Chicago. the Cubs, but at Wrigley Field, where he had mm-hmm. where he had played his whole career up to that. He point. He just won the Cy Young Award. Yeah, right. Yeah, ninety two. Mm-hmm. Coming off that season and signed with the Braves, and that was the first place. And by the way, one was of the big time free agent signings. Uh, yes, one of the biggest the in biggest, history. Yeah, maybe the biggest, and not in terms of dollars because it's just a different era. Yeah, uh, I think well, at signed, the time it was. At the time it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it, like twenty eight million? Five years. How much would coming off of Cy Young in his prime, Greg Maddox, make today? He'd make that in one year. Oh yeah, <laughs> get Cole signed for whatever three hundred million. If you took the same, Maddox would get more than that, right? Have to. Oh. Coming off his pro- – yeah, have to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, at the time, oh, he had just had one Cy Young Award, and that was in 92. Right. And so he was – he, you know, he made his mark from, you know, that point on. Right. But maybe the year before. So, you know, but Cole, has Cole even won a Cy Young Award? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. he would – yeah, he'd be worth more yeah. for sure. What we know now. <laughs> yeah. What uh, – by the way, was Maddox, you know, uh, bothered? Was the, Did the situation get to him? Yeah, he, eight point eight and a third innings. Yeah. <laughs> no, what would you say, one hit? Oh, and he and probably – it was eight and a third. He probably threw 89 pitches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hour yeah. and 45 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So – But he knew they didn't want to swing, and he just kept just – 
barreling in on their hands and yeah. they were trying to they just trying to they were trying to swing at the first pitch and just kept and of course that grass is thick so you know blousers just coming in you know throwing the ball to first base getting out the ball's just dying in the grass and just ground ball i don't even know how many ground balls he hit but i don't the wind didn't have to be blown in it was just cold mm -hmm. so they weren't wanting to swing a whole i mean they weren't wanting to hit a whole lot and then he wasn't making it easy on them because he's just pumping strikes and and it's uh, like i said it's 32 degrees in the middle of the day and then you got the shadows coming in and a lot of a lot, of, a lot of different factors. Opening day, they're not they're not ready to hit the best pitcher in the game. Right. Opening day, anyway, and he's right. got cutters and change ups and sinkers and uh, curveball. He's got everything going, and of course, he doesn't miss. And uh, it's just a bad combo for for the Cubbies that day. But that was a pretty constant theme. Yeah, sure was. <laughs> we he did that to a lot of teams. Yeah. To every team, basically. If I got to pitch another. against the Cubs every day. I would have. I would have been a Cy Young Award winner too. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about those <laughs> Cubs back then. Yeah, yeah, man, that's true. Back yeah, then. yeah. Um, well, that was it. Was fun for me just to go back and watch an old game from a different time, and it brought me back to my youth watching watching you guys when I was a kid. Even just the watching the, you guys come out for introductions in that game, and I remember as a kid how much I wanted the uh just the the brave jacket that you guys wore when it was the cold in the parka, dugout yeah yeah well i just the wanted hoodie. the normal one but oh, you, okay. some of you guys were wearing those big parkas well, we like, still had those were they bombardiered yeah those uh, old old uh, yeah. classic jackets the shiny the shiny blue but then they would give us the big parkas like the football players right. on the sidelines they would come down right below our knees we'd get those you know early in the season too. yeah they introduced dion he came running on that big parka <laughs> and he was kind of hunched over almost a little bit and i'm like the dion camera must like be cold i'm like this must have been one of the coaches or something that's all hunched over like this i'm like that can't be dion and then they zoomed in on like oh no that's dion yeah. he's all bundled up under that i don't know how thing. he played football in some of those cold days but he <laughs> did play for the falcons the 49ers and the cowboys they were all this is pretty, true pretty pretty you know mild falcons mild had areas. a dome yeah uh, San well no he played in he you know he played in fulton county Oh, they were still in full. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Because Georgia Dome didn't open until 92, right. 93. That's right. Okay, That's right. I'm he sorry. Fulton County, and then he went, you know, he went to Dallas. Oh, okay. He, did he go anywhere else besides that? But, but yeah, so I don't know how he how he played football. Of course, he didn't really hit anybody. He just knocked right. balls down. I think he – did he play for the Ravens at the very end of his career? Did he come back and play a year for the Ravens? I think he might have. He might have, yeah. yeah. Anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah, we digress. <laughs> um, but watching watching that game was fun. So I think we might try to have some fun with some old games mm -hmm. like that on on Brave Social Media yeah, channels. Love to watch some of those. those. Well, let's let's talk about. So let's wrap this up on a, on a high note. Let's revisit one of you, one of these old games from you referenced it earlier. Last time we had a shortened season was '95. The Braves that turned out to be quite a good year for the Braves. We won the World Series. You guys won the World Series. Maybe history no, can repeat we, itself. We again. won the World Series. No, no, I don't, I, yeah, we've had this discussion. You before. were a fan, right? I was. Yes, <laughs> I remember watching that. I was at my grandparents' house watching watching Game Six. I remember exactly where I was, but I'm not one of those we people. Well, I'm certainly not a we person when I'm sitting with one of the guys that. How many played times have we heard we Virginia? won the national championship well i was a bit i was a big part of that one i have to tell you i listened to umbc jokes for 13 months that made me feel like i was part of that one but okay. but anyway um so let's look back at uh the 95 postseason let's go to game one of the 1995 nlcs you guys were playing who the reds mm -hmm. cincinnati reds okay so 
let's see. You came in. If if my uh, baseball reference here is is telling me the truth, and I'll, and you know what, we're going to try to find the the clip of this, and we'll throw it in the, the at least the audio of that in, in the episode. Okay. Here of this happening, eleventh inning, uh, Braves take a. So you, let's see, you guys were tied up one one. Oh, you know what, you guys here, like okay, maybe you, uh, you remember you, if you remember. Uh, let's see, Cincinnati scored a run in the bottom of the fourth. You guys tied it up in the top of the ninth. Who tied it up in the ninth? Do you remember? Let's see. Oh, man, I don't. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 Runs da. were scarce that game. <laughs> yeah. They had a good. They had some good pitching. Yeah, let's see. Well, it was either, let's see, there two RBI in the game. Uh, Justice had one. Mike Devereaux had the, uh, the other. Oh, that's right. Devereaux, man, he came through. He played. I think he might have been the NLCS MVP that year. Okay, yeah. So he came through. <laughs> he yes. had a great series. I think he batted like five or 600. Well, so just, he was a huge pickup for us. Well, let's just let's just find out then. 1995 NLCS. Let's see who was the MV- Mike Devereaux was in fact yes. the MVP. I'd forgotten about that. How about that? Yeah. Oh, you guys swept them. Oh, you guys oh, took yeah. care of business. There, well, huh? and and a lot of it had to do with that first game because we that was a close game. You know, you think about you're at home. There is the NLCS. This is before the the extra round of playoffs. So you went straight from. You know, winning the East and the West going into – wait, no, no, I'm sorry, 95. We had just come off uh, um, playing in – I'm thinking, thinking of 93, sorry. 95, we just came off Colorado. a really tough series in Colorado. Right. And we – that that series could have gone either way. They played us extremely tough. I can't remember who the Reds played, but I don't think they had that tough. So we come into that, felt like we were battle-tested. Mm-hmm. That um, and then that first game, of course, there again, there it's neck and neck. I mean, it's a one-one game, or we were down one to nothing. We scored in the ninth. Mm-hmm. We score a run, and so that game really set the tone for the series. And Devereaux did in the eleventh. He knocked in a Crime Dog for what I've what I've got here, Fred McGriff, and uh, so. So then the bottom of the eleventh, and Bobby had to bring in three pitchers, if from what I'm seeing here, and. Uh, because Wollers is in to save it. Just, uh, yes, so he got the win. He ended up with the win, so he came in. And if I'm not mistaken, Ave might have. Now, I'm not sure who came into that. I don't have the right right page up here. But anyways, so three pitchers. So what do you remember? Tell us what happened then in the bottom of the 11th. Braves are up 2-1. What do you remember about that game and that, that inning, you coming in? Yeah, so obviously it's a big game. Extra innings. But we'd played big games. I mean, this is a team that was in the World Series in 91, 92. We were in National League Championship in 93. And then here we are again, um, National League Championship game. We're in Cincinnati, which traditionally we played them pretty well. But it was a hitter's ballpark. They had turf. So ground balls. I was a ground ball pitcher. And um, it's not always that easy on turf because balls get through there. But we needed a ground ball. So so we had a man on first base. Reggie Sanders is up to the plate. And um, Bobby, we're, there's one out. Bobby needed a ground ball double play. So he had had me up warming up because Wollers, you know, was trying to close it. I don't think he got an out. And he brought in somebody else, maybe a lefty, to get an out. And then he was going to bring me to face the righty. So I get ahead up, you know, obviously Leo preached to us all the time that you got to get ahead, you got to get ahead because the batting averages of the hitter goes down, you know, the more you're ahead. And so I get ahead and then um, I throw him my best pitch because I'm 
trying to end it. I'm not setting it. You don't, you're not setting anybody up at that point. You're just saying, here's my best pitch. I need a ground ball. And, um, you know, Reggie Oblige, he hits a routine two or three hopper to Raphael Belliard. He takes two, three steps on the bag uh, and then throws it to first to, to uh, McGriff. And we got a double play. The game's over. I got the save. And, and we go on to sweep him. And that's a ground ball to short. Fielded by Blazer. Double play to end the game. Belliard, Raphael Belliard with a 6-3 to three double play to end the game. And out of the bullpen, McMichael and Davey Johnson can't believe what he's just seen. Yeah, you got the save. Uh, you got two outs, obviously, with a double play. You got the save all on two pitches. Now, that is that, quite, that's, that's efficient. efficient. Work. Yeah. yeah. That's, hey. That'll play. That's uh, that's a dream come true. I mean, I, I was told very early in my career as a minor leaguer that the fewer pitches, the better. And as a reliever, like I said, you're always saying, here's my best pitch. You know, see if you can hit it. I'm not trying to fool you. I just need to execute it. And it's just not easy to hit. What's hit a the, baseball? Is there, we were talking earlier about the adrenaline you feel that that's the game time adrenaline or being in a game is just different than, than just throwing a bullpen, obviously. Is there an extra amount of adrenaline or emotion when it's a postseason game and you're in there for the safe, or is it the same to you? I think it's it's kind of the same. I think you know beforehand and you know afterhand, you know, after the game, the impact of what just happened. But as an athlete, you train to get – you train in a routine, meaning you, you know, you have a, a pregame routine, you have an in-game routine, and you have a post-game routine. There's things that you just – you have to be – in order to be successful, you have to think that way. So I think when you're waiting around to see if you're going to pitch, it's very nerve-wracking. So you see a lot of nervous energy in the bullpen of guys walking around doing things. But as soon as you can get into your routine of you warm up the same way, you you know you prepare the same way, a lot of times they eat the same thing, we, we dress the same way, it's all about a routine. And then once you get into the game and you get into that game mode – there's certain things mentally that you do. There's certain things physically that you do to try to stay in that routine. So you don't really have time to think about all the bad things or all the great things because if you start thinking about those, you're not going to be successful. You have to think about what is it that I have to do to execute this pitch. And you're getting your sign. You're checking the runners. You're you're making sure your feet are in the right spot. You're making sure your hands are in the right spot. You're making sure you got the right grip on the ball. There's a lot of things you have to you have to pay attention to that kind of come natural because you're in a routine and you just want to make sure you're following that routine, and that keeps your mind from wandering and being distracted from the things that are not going to help you be successful. So I think it's hard, and you and you hear a lot of athletes say this, and I don't think I don't think it's meant to belittle the situation or discount the situation. It's just a fact that you can't think about those things because they they just don't allow you to be successful. Because when they do creep into your mind, that's when you give up the home run. That's when you hang a pitch. That's when you grip the ball a little bit too tight. That's when you bounce the ball and it's a wild pitch. That's when you see a pitcher starting to be distracted. 
So I don't, I don't, whenever I hear an athlete say, no, I'm just taking it one pitch at a time, there's just things that you tell yourself. You walk out there, okay, it's game mode. It's pitching mode. I'm facing a hitter like I've been doing since I've been 10 years old. And there's certain things that I do as a routine to face that hitter. So I don't care if it's the World Series or it's the National League Championship or if it's a game in September. There's just certain things that you're doing that you have to do to be successful. And that's just a routine. So that's a long answer, but no, that's great. that's just something that you you try to do very early on as an athlete, and you just have to continue that process. And it, and, it, and a lot of people call it superstition, and that's but you're seeing athletes just trying to get themselves into routine, and you can call it superstition or routine or whatever you want. I call it a pattern. Mm-hmm. I just want to get into the, my good pattern as soon as possible and stay in it as long as possible. Have you ever seen uh, the the movie For Love of the Game? Yeah. Kevin Costner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is his little saying? Clear the mechanism? Yeah. It's like his little thing on the mound. It's like his thing that sets himself or it's like he's sure. he's trying to drown out like he – in his mind, I think until the very end, the last inning where he's going he's for the perfect game yeah. where he's struggling a little bit and then he can't get the crowd noise he out of his off. Head. Yeah. Yeah, he steps off. Well, and But up until that point, it's like all the crowd noise and everything around him, his one little – routine thing it's his one little saying where he, to himself he says clear the mechanism and that's like that drowns everything else around mm-hmm. him and that's like okay i'm locked in now on this on this yeah. pitch there's another movie called the legend of bagger vance yeah when Smith, uh, matt right? damon is kind of doing the same thing he's trying to visualize where the the course gets very you know he's looking down the fairway and all he can see is just the green mm-hmm. he sees the flag and because that's the ultimate goal was to get to the flag. And so he tried to take, you know, and so he does kind of the same thing. And I think we all search for that. Uh, they, they called it uh, years ago. You hear the term flow. Mm-hmm. And we're all looking for that flow, that, that kind of that oneness that you have when you're on the mound and, and everything just comes natural. You're so focused on what you're doing. Your body's free to move and, and to accelerate, and, and you don't feel anything. You're just in the flow. And, and when that happens as an athlete, things happen. They talk about when a, a, a guy hits a home run and he didn't feel the ball come off the bat. Because everything just clicked, his all the connecting points happened, and the the bat speed was there, the angle was there, and the you couldn't feel the ball because it all just connected so easily that it just it was gone, and and that's a real thing. And so as a pitcher, a lot of times you don't feel the spin of that ball when you snap off the slider, or you don't feel uh, the fastball, you didn't, you didn't grind. You didn't, you didn't overexert. It just, it was just so smooth. You felt like you were effortless and the ball came out the fastest. And that's just when you know that everything, all the dots connected at the right time, at the right place, um, at the right speed. And it just all came natural. And that's, you know, there again, they used to, they used to term that flow. And um, I don't know what they call that today, but mm-hmm. but uh, it is a, is a special place, and you're just trying to get to that. And sometimes it's harder. You can't clear the mechanism, right? Because it's the World Series, and you're thinking about everything but the wrong thing. But it's it the best you can. The guys that perform at the highest level on the biggest stages, they are in that zone that um, that nobody 
yeah. that nobody that 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 some people can't get to, right. and and that's why going back to my point where the guy was pitching in the bullpen and and he was in the zone in the bullpen, but as soon as he gets in the game, he can't. So there's some psychological issue with taking that, and and it's either the adrenaline takes him out of the out of the flow or out of the zone. Or, or it's the pressure, or it's the bad thoughts, or whatever it is. But there's something that's just all mental. Because if you got the ability, you got the ability. It's just can you translate it on the big stage? Can you translate it into game versus practice? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I was trying to think if I've ever been in a situation like that in my life that I could even compare it to. Well, you were. You said you were racing. What about yeah. when you raced? Yeah, but I I won one race and I had cheated and got a big motor that week, so I don't really count that. I go into the I go into the I was convinced I was getting beat every week because the other guys were cheating. I think it was just I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to set up my my rig to uh, yeah. compete. So then I went and got some illegal parts and ah, I won. So I don't really count that. Well. Buddy, this has been, uh, you know, I sat down when we started this. I said, I don't have any notes or anything, and we've been going for an over an hour, and it's, it's been fun, and it's been uh, enjoyable, and it feels good just to be sitting here and doing this as we're supposed to be doing. You know, our season's not starting when we want it to, but we're going to keep going with Behind the Braves, mm-hmm. presented by Billy Reed. I know that, yeah. and we're going to keep we're going to keep finding things to talk about. Guests are, uh, we're going to work on guests. It's going to be as you would expect, more challenging. Not that that's a huge challenge. Listen, there's bigger things to worry about out there. But, you know, we always prefer to do our, our interviews in person. Uh, we might have to do some by Skype or phone uh, in the near future, and that's fine. Uh, whatever we can do to get to get through this time, we're going to do it. So um, any before we wrap up, do you have any, any parting words or final thoughts for the folks out there? No, I'm just um – I'm, you know, wanting people to be safe. Uh, I told my wife I wasn't gonna uh, shave until we beat this coronavirus. So uh, well, I can confirm you, can you see, haven't. Yep. You can see that I'm not. Um, I just remember as a as a as a, a teammate, we would join together to uh, do some things to, you know, show solidarity and and uh, to battle against a common foe. So I think that um, I think that it's appropriate. Uh, I, I love this podcast. I've enjoyed being able to connect with our fans and, and talk about Braves baseball, which is an organization that's near and dear to my heart because I grew up a Braves fan. I remember Cable coming to my house and um, as a middle schooler and being able to watch the Braves for the first time on TBS and then being fortunate enough to sign with them and, and play as a minor leaguer and then being fortunate enough to play as a big leaguer and now work with the organization, uh, have a long history here, and um, and I, I love being here talking with you about this great game that we love, but also just this great organization. And um, I, I know that we're going to get through this sooner or later, and we're going to be back off and running, and we'll be better for it. So I'm excited about what's going to happen. I'm excited and to be dreaming about that opening day Yep. because I know it'll be here and – and uh, but you know we've got we got to take care of some business here before that and hopefully everybody will stay safe but we'll be able to at least be able to reach out to you and talk to you a little bit about baseball during this time even though we can't see it we can still talk about and reminisce about like we did today about yeah. some some great times in our history and and we've got uh, more to we got a lot to choose from yeah so this organization's we've had a long a winning rich tradition and and uh, so we got a lot of things that we could talk about and and we'll continue to bring those up and 
and uh, we'll see where we go. Yeah, just looking at the box score, I've still got it up on my screen here. The pitchers who pitched in the game we were talking about where you got to save the first game one of the 95 NLCS, just looking at that list of names gets me right back in my childhood feels, if you will, because I'm like, man, every single one of these names on here, including Greg McMichael, much as it pains me to say it, brings back these great memories of uh, of watching this great game that we love as a kid. And I won't I won't go without reading the list. Let me just say it. So Glav uh, pitched seven innings, gave up one run. Uh, Alejandro Pena, one of my favorite names ever to say in baseball, pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, Mark Wollers went two innings, scoreless innings, four strikeouts, so he must have pitched the ninth and the tenth. Uh, Brad Klontz got the hold, got the first out. Ave came in, uh, did not get an out, it appears. I guess he, he got the yeah, – he, he, he was the, the lefty base, that came the in. The lefty right? came yep. in, got the base runner, and then there it is right there, Greg McMichael, save, uh, two-thirds of an inning. So, um, so yeah, we're going to reminisce some more, and we'll, we'll have some fun topics to talk about in the coming – weeks and months here on behind the braves presented by billy reed and at some point we will be playing baseball again and that will be a glorious day but until then we're going to still be here doing our thing and we're, we're happy to have you along with us so for greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast we'll see you next time on behind the braves hey braves country we just wanted to remind you to rate review and subscribe behind the braves presented by billy reed on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast stitcher braves.com slash behind the braves or wherever you get your podcasts thank you and we'll see you next time on behind the braves Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.